Welcome back, Red Spotters. Another show here in the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis J. Soto. How are you doing? <laughs> because we're all fucking losing our minds. I'm joined by David Francisco. <laughs> this is the 21st week of the pandemic. Uh, you know, if you've forgotten, which I'm sure you have, there is a pandemic going on. Um, it's called COVID. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is... <laughs> Spotlight number uh, uh, 254, and we're totally okay, right? How are you doing, David? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been uh, probably the longest week, uh, you know, in between episodes where I've uh, had maybe the most mental breakdowns, so that's... Uh, that's you know, not at all comforting, but you know, you know, we're, we're there. Uh, this uh, today we were supposed to have a different show. Uh, Peter was supposed to be here tonight. Uh, we were supposed to review Palm Springs, and don't worry, we'll still get his thoughts the next time he's on. Uh, we've had some rescheduling issues, so today's show will be uh, a little bit uh, impromptu, as it were. Uh, so we have still the review with Palm Springs, which uh, stars Andy Samberg. It is currently on Hulu. It was, I believe, a Sundance um, a film that was purchased by Hulu. It's on there to stream right now. Uh, came out within the last, I want to say, two weeks. So we'll be getting into that film. Uh, David uh, was gracious enough to step in uh, and also watch the movie. So that way we have something concrete to talk about today, which is nice. Um, on top of all of the other uh, items that we may discuss. So keep in mind that uh, the conversation may creep into a little more casual this week, which is fine. I mean, we always have... Uh, you know, casual mm-hmm. talk every week as with COVID is concerned. I'm sure listeners have noticed. And I'm sure, you know, David uh, is uh, perhaps the one who listens to our podcasts the most um, as far as our <laughs> panel is concerned. Would also attest to that uh, lately, uh, especially with episodes with Peter and myself, we have uh, had a tendency to go on long tangents of the political sort. Uh, and I'm sure he's listened to all of that and uh <laughs> <laughs> knows that it is inevitable with every show that we do. Um, and yeah, we will have other uh, topics to discuss in terms of what may be going on in the news, but just be aware that uh, this will be a far more free-flowing discussion uh, because of the last-minute nature of it. Uh, so how we usually like to start off is what we saw this week. Uh, although in David's case, this may be what we saw this year, uh, or what we saw this pandemic. He basically he's, he told me right before we were recording that there was a whole list of uh, what, sixteen or so items that he has seen um, in a n- many number of weeks uh, since the last time mm. he was on a uh, regular news version of the show, mm. which was. When? Uh, oh, it was when uh, the Snyder Cut was announced. <laughs> yeah, and I've mostly just been in the... Uh, Two months? Fantasy. F- <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> well, don't, I mean, you've been... That isn't to say that you've been gone. You, I mean, you haven't been no. in the new show, but I mean, it's not as if you haven't been 
around with uh, particularly Red Spotlight. I mean, you've been a big part mm-hmm. of uh, the Avatar The Last Airbender recaps, which we just finished those. They're all on this stream if you want to listen to those. Uh, very, very thorough uh, going through all of the episodes of Av- Avatar The Last Airbender. I think you were the only one, uh, maybe besides me, that was on all of the episodes. So there's that. And then, of course, we've been doing Beyond the Shield, also available on this feed, um, which you should be watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., by the way, if you haven't, uh, every Wednesday at 10 p.m., <laughs> if not on Hulu. Hey. Um, so you've been you've been very much involved. And, of course, the audio commentary. Yeah. So, like, look, um, I'm going to go into, like, uh, uh, more in depth uh, with the podcast that I have planned with Kyle. Kyle's actually about to go off on a uh, two-week vacation um, after being an essential service worker for like an eternity. So mm-hmm. um, I'm planning a show with him where we talk uh, about you know how it's been like this summer, this year, and um, what stuff we have planned. Uh, for episodes and projects for the podcast. Um, and of course, we've been on Fantasy Fair. Uh, so we'll get more into that. I, I am very happy as far as uh, with how the shows are progressing and the kinds of shows that we're doing. Um, so we'll have... There may be some stuff I announced tonight or... Uh, Mm-hmm. That uh, David and I are doing. We did the audio commentaries with you know into the Spider Verse, which is like one of my favorites um, that we've done so far. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, we've been doing maybe more than we ever have, and you've right. definitely been a part of that um, every step of the way. It um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, like we've been doing this show. Well, at least. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I've been doing this show for I it's I, I what, 5 6 years. I we started Red Spotlight in late 2014. It didn't become a regular thing, I want to say until 2016. So it's been uh it's been a long road. But I'll say that in the many iterations of us doing this show, I perhaps am happiest where it's at right now because it's mm-hmm. never felt so tightly knit before. You know, I've had many iterations, not just not just on this podcast or on this show, but other projects that I've been involved with, like Barely News Crew or even the documentary, the short documentary film that I made, See Us, where... Um, you know, it is far more isolated as far as like having to be on top and micromanaging everything. But it's never felt, at least this podcast, it's never felt more collaborative before uh, to the point where it's like, I'm really leaning on you guys for uh, a lot of the wonderful ideas that we've already produced and the ones that are still to come. So, Mm. and I'm also thankful for anyone who listens. Um, Wherever you're listening, this uh, podcast in many ways has been a diary <laughs> in, in, into our psyches and in, in, in a way to um, let out what uh, we kind of need to let out and have no other venue for it. You know, 
it's you and me and Alexis and Kyle and Peter and yeah, it, it, what I also love is not just the fact that we're all, you know, contributing, um, in big ways now. And of course, not, not that isn't to say that you hadn't done it before, but but the consistency mm-hmm. of it is definitely there, and I think it shows in the final product. But the fact that we're doing a lot of these together, like um, I think it was, we I think we did Rise of Skywalker and uh, Knives Out. Audio commentaries mm-hmm. where all of us were there. Um, mm. and I think those were the very first commentaries where like, oh, we did like five people. That's like <laughs> the biggest group of people we've had for a commentary before, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it feels a lot more fun that we all get to do it together. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, speaking of, there will, be, there will be more commentaries that are coming up pretty soon. And I'm excited about that because... Um, why I liked doing those commentaries, especially back in the early days of the pandemic, you know, 20 years ago, um, was because it, it fulfilled a need and that was, you know, to go to a theater and watch a movie. And since that's never going to happen again, well, the next best thing is, uh, to see it, uh, with, you know, your friends and see it together. And, you know, if you're doing that, you might as well record it in a commentary. So, um, I'm glad where the show is considering a lot of us are going through a lot to say the least. Mm -hmm. So I guess that was like an introduction as to how I'm feeling or at least (laughs) the little like positive things that I'm clinging to. How has it been like for you um, managing like just taking care of yourself, first of all, in all of this? It hasn't really affected me much. Like I, I never stopped working since the quarantine or anything well, like yeah, that. Well, yeah, you are an essential worker. So you've been yeah, yeah. basically on the grind. Mm-hmm. I mean, what it definitely affected me as I, I'm i going to a community college and everything. So because of the quarantine, school is closed and we just went to straight to uh, like online, basically. And I don't know why, but when we went straight to online, I just lost uh i just couldn't keep up with it <laughs> i just probably just kind of gave up on the semester and went fuck it <laughs> i'll retake them if i have to <laughs> so that was definitely one thing uh that affected me uh but luckily though uh my teacher just passed me <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i mean at least two of them i was taking three classes at a time but two of them passed me the other one i'm pretty sure they failed me i can't remember what the grade was but did yeah. they just not care i guess not <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's kind of hard to complain um or to do much of anything right now with the situation that we're in i mean uh, you know it, it sounds as if you kind of died halfway through the semester because of the circumstance that you're in yeah. like online learning is just nowhere near where it needs to be um mm-hmm. it is preferable than you know uh the physical space because of the deadly pathogen that's out there right now obviously and how it can be easily mm-hmm. spread so it is in this instance um 
better but it's not a good situation overall because there are so many issues with distance learning with online learning and as i said with myself um with the few online classes that i took i don't remember them because they mm -hmm. were so uh, annoying and that's it they didn't feel like yeah. a real class it just it Mm. It, it really, yeah, the words aren't coming to me, but it, it's just not fun. How your sister yeah. does it, I don't know, because she was saying the other day that she was looking at uh, continuing on, but it seems like that's all that she does are online classes. Yeah, she really needs them because, um, I mean, for me, luckily, like, I work nights at my mm -hmm. job, so, like, I have all day to myself, basically, so... I can go to school or I can go to a class basically, but her though, her schedule is always, you know, she's either all day or just half a day or something. So she, she never knows when is a good time to be in a class basically. And I mean, she could tell her bosses like, Hey, uh, I can go on this time. But, um, especially for right now though, since she's starting a new job, finally, mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't really want to take a chance of like, <laughs> basically telling them like my time <laughs> yeah it, it's you know? it's just not uh i mean are they having physical classes right now they, no they they're not be, but because yeah no so that, that wouldn't yeah. come up regardless but i understand what you're saying it is um mm -hmm. just part uh you, you, that's just a drop in the bucket of the number of things mm -hmm. that we have been forced to adapt because of um of this situation right now um anything else as to how it's affected you uh, no it was just basically school that affected me especially because the classes that i was taking i was taking a art a cinematography cinematography mm -hmm. class and a documentary class and I was getting really excited for, like, the projects that we had to do. Oh, no. And so when we went straight to online, you know, not only did the teacher have to figure out, like, what to do next. Well, it uh, died. But the it's... class died the minute it went online. I mean, you just can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I was just having this conversation with, uh, what was it, a few weeks ago, um, uh, our good friend Nettie, friend of the show, Nettie Valdez, mm -hmm. um, had a similar circumstance to what you were going through, although... She, I don't know where it ended up being, but it wasn't um, at all. Um, it was kind of like the opposite effect in like where your teachers were like, fuck it. Uh, with her, they're like, tough luck, bitch. Um, with how the, she was treated, um, there was um, part of the curriculum required her having to attend physical events uh, for credits or points uh, as part of the grade. And because she had failed to do that before the pandemic hit out of nowhere, um, mm -hmm. she couldn't do that. So wow. there was an attempt of a, an arrangement with the professor to see if they could just let that slide because mm -hmm. it's kind of out of her control, you know, and situations yeah. didn't necessarily get any better from there. They... <laughs> so it's like, whereas with you, things have, you know, they were kind of like very understanding of the situation based on what mm -hmm. I've heard from the San Diego side of things and not 
It's not exclusive <laughs> to one institution from what I've heard. They've kind of doubled down on being a complete hard ass um, and being very uh, unbending um, to uh, the difficulties that, you know, may, you know, come from a pandemic. Notice how many times I'm saying that word in case people fucking forget that there is a pandemic going on right now, you know, because that does seem yeah. to happen like literally mm-hmm. every day. Um Yeah. Um, oh, I should, I, I want to share this news because I don't think I've had the opportunity to say this here. I, you know, Nettie hasn't been on for a, a long time. Uh, she's had a lot of, uh, you know, her life's never boring. So there's always a lot of ups and downs. And, uh, right now mm-hmm. she's, you know, working out, uh, trying to figure out, uh, future living arrangements, uh, and preparing for uh, CSU Northridge, which that was the announcement. You know, for those wondering who wanted where she has been and what's going on with her, she, uh, you know, spoke with me a few weeks back. And uh, and if you know Nettie and you've listened to her shows, uh, she is film. That's her life, film student. That's what she's been doing the entire time. And she got into CSU Northridge, which is one of the more uh renowned uh film programs uh in California mm-hmm. and that's what she's always wanted to do so congratulations to Nettie for getting into it and know she's been working hard at it for a lot of years uh, basically a lot of years on and off school because every other year there seems to be a temporal emergency and things completely fall apart and she has to basically move left and right from location to location and things have happened Yes, those of us who know her understand that part of her nature is the very unpredictability of what happens. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she's been so persistent and and so going at it and that she finally got it, um, I'm excited for her. At the same time, I'm also just disappointed because we are going to be continuing, at least as a country, this conversation is only beginning to erupt about reopening schools which in my view is a ludicrous discussion to have in the first place as far as like physical Mm -hmm. places to have school but on top of that and i've been saying this for months uh you might want to reconsider if you're somebody who is going to these very expensive universities or ucs or csus um and especially if they can't reopen and if all they're offering are online programs you are missing a very essential component of the college experience. If I, for example, and I attended several public and private institutions um, that were very much expensive to the point where I'm $60,000 in debt. Hey, how you doing? Uh, It's America, you know? Um, Doesn't matter. I'll die before I pay it off. It's good. Hmm. Um, (laughs) But I'm fine. (laughs) I mean, I, I appreciated my experience in those schools and whatever, but... I don't know mm-hmm. if I would be okay with the idea of paying, let's say, $10,000 for a semester, being on a fucking computer and not being physically there and actually getting to learn and experience the things that I'm supposed to be paying for. You see what I'm getting at here? Like, I, I mm-hmm. may be thinking about, you know what? I'm just going to take this semester off because I'm not going to get my money's worth out of this, it seems like. Um, and so I worry really about for friends of mine who have to be circumventing this new 
reality that we're in. And I mean, you know, if if things go good, which would be a change, but if things go good, mm-hmm. there would be a vaccine mid to late 2021. And if that's the case, then we've beat this and things can get back to normal there. And if that's the case, really, are you missing anything if you take a year off? Just save yourself the money. Take the year off. Focus on you. That's my TED talk. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm losing my mind here, well, guys. I really am. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I am taking some advantage of this quarantine mm-hmm. pandemic. So at work, I'm, I finally started listening to audiobooks. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm mostly uh, just uh, finally listening to Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I finished the Percy Jackson ones, and they were good. They were great. Uh, I really liked them. I like the characters. I like the world and all that. And I'm loving Harry Potter. I'm in the fourth one right now. And yeah, they're better than the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love the movies, but <laughs> wow, it's great detail, great characters, and some great other stories that you that were not in the movies at all. Um, one of my favorite one so is uh what was it the name of the wind uh i don't know if you've no, heard of it. i haven't uh uh it was people a lot of people were loving it mostly because of its world building mm. and i 100% agree like it went into incredible detail about this world not only just by like the way these people live but also putting in effort on like the relig- their religion or their mythology and just kind of like the class systems too and all that it, it's it's really really good oh my god so yeah that's one thing i've finally taken advantage of advantage of um and then and yeah also just trying to watch other movies and shows some stuff that i haven't seen <laughs> yeah you know um, um yeah it, it's uh a lot of us um I haven't find things to do, right? Like uh, one of the things, and we've been discussing this uh, lately off air, but and I think I, I did mention this last week with Peter. But a lot of us have definitely caught in the online shopping bug. Um, if we did, if, <laughs> yes. if, if if coronavirus didn't get us, well, the online shopping virus got us. That's for sure. Um, uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of, all of us have been, you know, digging into particular, uh, fascinations of ours, uh, and, uh, dropping the dollars as they say, um, you know, before moving into that, I will say a, a lot of us had been saving up and we may, have, we may have mentioned this, right? Yeah, I'm sure we did. We, we were saving <laughs> up for Disneyland and that was, uh, oh yeah, you know. A passion of ours and all of us to an extent. Of mm. course, we never have had the opportunity to be there together. And we've been planning this or dreaming of this for a long, long time. And so this year was supposed to have been the year. And then, of course, that was completely flushed down the toilet. Um, thank you, mm-hmm. President Trump, for that. I'll never forget. Um, and, of course, our weak uh, government. It is... It's just so sad to the point where I've kind of for the last uh, for the last two weeks I want to say that I haven't really been immersing myself 
in much like media it's changing now but i i was kind of on this like um i don't know like post mortem disney depression blues whatever uh, you know uh because of what never came and so um I have been kind of uh, looking up old uh, vloggers on YouTube, uh, you know, the Disney YouTube crowd who've, you know, done all of these things and just like trying to catch up myself with the stuff that I've missed lately and kind of like, in a way, experience what they were experiencing through them, you know, so I've kind of been in that little bit of a rabbit hole going on there, um, which to tell you the truth, I'm not sure if that made me feel better, but there's that. <laughs> And then as far as like the things that we have, uh, you know, pursued in uh, buying stuff, you know, because we're all kind of broken people. I know that Alexis has, uh, I will not disclose the number and I couldn't remember what the number was. So there's that. But <laughs> she has literally thrown uh, a life's savings account at uh acquiring as much disney merchandise as possible not just for herself because she thinks mm -hmm. of others too uh she yeah. <laughs> gave a lot of people a lot of stuff uh i'll let you get to what you were going to say right now david but i also just want to say look a lot of us have been doing that kyle has been building up his record collection i've lost count of the number of records that he has purchased i've been trying to basically redecorate my room i i did the math and it turns out um I think I purchased something like 10 new posters um, mm. in the time of this pandemic. I just recently purchased some more LED lights for more lighting in the room. It's like, it's kind of out of control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know you've been uh, getting a lot of books as you were yeah. telling us. Uh, yeah, the audiobooks and just some regular books too. I've uh, been reading the comic books, the last Airbender comics take place afterwards and they're really really good oh my god uh just kind of like the things that they had to go through and i can see like the beginnings of uh of like what they're doing in the mm. comics led to cora mm. so what you see in cora and it's great um just some other books uh <laughs> i got the dune book i haven't read it yet but you've got I mean, plenty of time we're yeah. only in the 21st plenty of time yeah, <laughs> and then um, I bought a, a couple of uh, DVDs. I you know I got a Wally -E, uh, Steelbook. Did you? Okay. Yeah, oh, I love it. <laughs> it's so cool. I love Wally. -E. Um, and then I've been trying to build up my Studio Ghibli collection. Okay, r remind no. me: is it pronounced Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli? I say Ghibli. Okay. So uh, you're like, I mean, fuck whatever I anybody else says. It's Ghibli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't right. know. Continue. I don't know. I just fit, it just sounds better for me to say Ghibli okay. than Ghibli. It's like Jeff yeah. Giff all over again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then some camera equipment, which, I mean, right now it's kind of a waste, but <laughs> I mean, who knows? But yeah, I just bought some lenses, uh, a, uh, uh, what is it, filters, and some. Uh, I think I told you this, I bought like a micro extension lens, basically just get close-up shots of like flowers or bugs, mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah, I've been building that up. But 
now I have to save my money, though. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, because school isn't cheap and everything. But hey, I think it's always nice to treat yourself. You know, I think that that's one of the best stuff from Parks and Recreation. You know, tweet yourself. Did I say tweet yourself? Treat yourself 2020 <laughs> is what I meant to say. Um, yeah. As, uh, you know, good old NZs and Zara yeah. used to say um, on Parks and Recreation. And a lot of us have definitely been doing that. Let's just, let's be real. But, I mean, you've also purchased yeah. brand new equipment in terms of uh, this podcast setup, the microphone that you're talking oh, into, yeah. in case people haven't noticed, and the quality of the audio, much, much better. Uh, you, you, mm -hmm. had a, you got the same mic that I also purchased for myself, coincidentally enough, also in the pandemic. Isn't that interesting? Uh, the <laughs> Blue Yeti microphone with a really, really like fluffy, fancy um, uh, foam and then a pop filter on top. So it, it is definitely much improved. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's hilarious. Uh that we've we really kind of and, and keeping this in mind though it's not as if like we all like talk to each other and it's like hey let's like spend all our money no we just we just kind <laughs> yeah. of like we 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 voluntarily went <laughs> into these mm. um excursions ourselves uh that's yeah. that's how bad it, it kind of has gotten uh i i it's just ahead. it's just this constant fuck it i'm buying it right <laughs> like, <laughs> You know oh, me so yeah. well. That's exactly what happened. I think the other day, it's like, you know what? <laughs> fuck this shit. I'm buying it. I don't give a fuck. Let's, yeah. What else am I doing? <laughs> and it's like, it, and like, it, it's weird. Like, I just kind of like, I'm sitting down, I'm watching TV or something, and I just kind of go, what kind of right, buy right, right now? <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've become addicts. I swear to God. Like, I, I there are several times a day we're like, you know what? You know what I'm not doing right now? I need to be on eBay. Or I need to go on Etsy just to see what I can buy. Oh, my God. Same. Oh, my God. And it's always like, like I said, I'm watching a lot of TV and movies. So, like, I'm looking at something and I'm really liking it. And like, I, just, I just look up, like, is there merchandise right. of theirs or something? Or... <laughs> Uh, no man yeah, that's exactly what what like a lot of the stuff that i had had got um because i had wanted to uh shake up my room with you know wanted to introduce like mm -hmm. different kinds of colors and posters and um you know to speak of uh uh you and i haven't had this discussion although i think i did mention this to peter last week but um you know I really did like the, the – the and you see it behind me. You might have seen it better uh, in the mm -hmm. photo, but the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. poster that I got. Um, uh, really, I think that was my favorite poster they've done, um, and it was the last one. I love the color scheme, uh, the design of it as far as like – and then the stylized version of the characters being like half live action, half animated, a little bit right there, like comic books almost. It's really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. And it was – I have I have a lot of posters, you know, in my room, and I I love them all, and it, it's always like a special like occasion for me where I get to like I get so excited when it gets here, I open it up, I put it, I frame it, and then it's up there. Um, this one though, it felt so different um, because you know we are in the midst of like the last like. This th that is the poster for the last season of this show that I've you know watched for the last seven fucking years, 
Mm-hmm. And it was uh, getting to me. You know, um, in that, do you know in a, the director and the Jedi comment, uh, documentary with Ryan Johnson, um, there is this, and I think it was even also trending on Twitter, this, this particular segment from it where Mark Hamill uh, goes in to see uh, – Frank Oz puppeteering Yoda and they're kind of prepping for the scene where Yoda and Luke uh, would be in The Last Jedi. And the and the, the camera pans over to Mark and he's looking at Yoda uh, and he's like getting really emotional. He said, this is really getting to me. Um, like what a what a moment that was. And it, mm. it did, of course, it dawned on me when it finally when it finally came and right before I framed it, I was just like, um, just admiring it basically. And, um, getting emotional at like, wow, this is kind of a moment, you know, this is like a moment in time. And, uh, you know, for those of you who don't listen to beyond the shield, um, you know, the shield family has been, kind of an extension of my own they 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 mean a lot to me they really do and it Mm -hmm. just got me so melancholy i guess is the right word to say about putting that poster i know we're talking about a poster fuck off it meant something to me not you i meant like other people Mm -hmm. um yeah uh so yeah yeah, and then I have another. I have others that are coming. I, I, I mentioned to uh, Peter last week that I had purchased a um, a Mondo uh, poster of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, um, which should be arriving. And then I also got a new um, a new one for uh, Endgame. Uh, the Endgame poster that I have right now, I'm replacing it with a better one that i think is <laughs> uh not just like better in general but i think will fit better mm-hmm. with a lot of what is surrounding it so like to me and this seems to have become an annual thing where every summer i just get the sudden urge the 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 sudden urge to like you know what i want to change some stuff i want to move some things around and everything so yeah yeah, and the same way that you know Kyle's record collection's been building, and uh, and I know um, I was having a uh, you know some uh, v- FaceTime with with Alexis, and I I know it is her room, and she's also um, you know, moving things around and getting ready to put some things up. She still hasn't been able, and I think she's getting lazy about this. You need to push her, but she needs to really put the rest of her ears. You know, she is a big collector of <laughs> Mickey Mouse or, or Minnie Mouse ears um, that they have at Disney Parks. And she has so many of them. And she still mm-hmm. hasn't, like, put them up. How long have you lived there now and she hasn't done that? It's like a year and a half now. Yeah. <laughs> Time to get yeah. going. Yeah, and I know you guys. Like, you <laughs> I guys, mean, yeah, I would, but I would tell her, I would, I would... Tell her to like hurry it up, but then she's gonna be like, "Will you help me?" And I'm like, mm, I, <laughs> <laughs> "I mean, you don't got to involve me in that. It's really your thing." I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cold. But whatever. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, what does she need help with? 
Uh, well, she can't reach because she puts it like on this, on, like on top. I of told the, like, her to ceiling. get a ladder. You have nothing <laughs> in at the house that that she can use to like. I don't know, climb on. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I guess she's lazy. <laughs> it takes work, people. All right, it it, it doesn't. It, <laughs> it's not easy making your room look good. Let's just be mm. real about that. Um, but yeah, uh, that was basically, uh, a look into our lives and we're not recording podcasts, which is a lot mm-hmm. of the times, believe it or not. Um, yeah. So, uh, David, shall we go ahead? I know we're like 40 fucking minutes into this, but who gives a shit now? <laughs> um, we should probably start talking about what it is. That you have been watching the entire time um, on uh, on TV. But before you do that, I do want to say um, I actually did finally. I, I had mentioned this last week and I said that I had been looking about. I had been looking into starting a new show of some sort. I took the plunge. I started a new show. Um, it's on Netflix. It's not. A Netflix original series. Um, it's from mm. Pop TV, and that's a thing apparently. Um, the first five seasons are on there right now, and um, I was like, you know what? This looks like something I need in my life right now. It looks funny. It is a comedy, so I started watching Shit's Creek. Um, oh, which I had encountered clips of. I think in the years prior, but it's not something that I ever bothered to go look into myself. I am hooked in a really bad yeah. way. <laughs> I am almost finished with season two and I'm already kind of depressed, but when it's going to be over, <laughs> no, like this, <laughs> this happens. Like it, it, it's kind of like the same like vibe I get from like a new girl or a parks and rec. It's like, Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I love it. Like it's so and it. The humor very much is a big part of it. And then, oh no, the end is near. And I'm like, I'm going to get depressed <laughs> again. And Anyway, uh, it is really good. I really, yeah. really love the show. Oh my God. It, it, it's basically these rich people, mm. like the kind of unbelievable rich people where like they are kind of in a different reality. They lose it all. And they have to move to this small town, believe it or not, like smaller than Brawley, that they somehow purchased years and years ago. And now the show is basically them living there and trying to make the town better so that they can sell it and move and and, and get back to their lives. Um, It is hysterical. (laughs) It honestly is. Um, I, I think it's really, really good. And from what I hear, um, uh, it's getting a lot of great uh, reaction now that it is on Netflix and that um, the Emmys are going to recognize the series uh, in the comedy uh, uh, categories from what I'm hearing anyway. So it's good. I love it. Um, you know, right. and uh, – it sounds cool. Yeah, I think you'd like it. I think it, it's funny to me. Like that—that—that's really my mm-hmm. kind of humor. Um, like, I mean, let me take. Let me give you one example. I was just the, the the most recent thing I saw is that um the mother of this family is trying to run for city council, 
Um, and she thinks that she's at like, um, she's trying to woo over this crowd of people to give them like, to give her their endorsement. And she writes the speech and everything. And she's convinced that the coalition, the group of people that she's speaking to are a group of lesbians. And it turns out that no, that's not what it is. They're just small business owners. And so she doesn't realize that until like, Literally, the moment comes for her to give her speech, and she's having to. I think she's made the decision she's going to just go ahead and read the speech she wrote anyway. And it starts off with, I believe in equality. And I had to pause it there because I knew, oh my God, it's going to be a <laughs> fucking train wreck. You see, like that's. I, 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 I it's good. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch yeah, it. yeah. Oh, that's always like weird for me to watch. It's like, you know, it's something embarrassing. It's awkward. Happen, it's awkward. It's like, so I have yes. to pause it. Like, that's how I am too. It's like, <laughs> I know it's hilarious, but like, I don't want to cringe. And like, oh my God, I already yeah. know where this is going. And like, oh God. So I need to like pause <laughs> and like get myself prepared. And sometimes if it's like really embarrassing, I kind of have to skip through it because I can't like physically like expose myself to that. There was a sequence in Love, yeah. Simon a few years ago where um this this high school kid um in like a, in the middle of a football game like the halftime or whatever in front of the whole school with you know peacher, uh, bleachers packed and everything like asks uh mm-hmm. this girl, girl out to homecoming or, or or prom or whatever and it and you know it's going to be a complete like abject rejection and yeah i i refuse to watch i didn't watch the sequence <laughs> i literally skip and i didn't see it because <laughs> wow. i can't no. stand that yeah no when i uh watch the office <laughs> um you know you that, there's a lot of embarrassing scenes but every time it'll happen an episode i literally just stop watching it and like i'll watch it the yes. next day yes <laughs> just, <laughs> like that's how much i have to prepare for it or like whenever i'm watching something on my phone like a show on my phone and i know something embarrassing is about to happen i just throw it like towards the end of my bed and just wait for the scene to end yeah <laughs> sometimes i have to close it. my eyes too or i have to look away because <laughs> yeah i know i guess we're weird that way but like yeah yeah i, I don't know like th- that 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 stuff like gets to me so i can't like uh-huh. it's just awkward seeing people like go through like yeah. public humiliation <laughs> like that it really is yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. oh god so yeah uh i'm loving Shit's creek right now um um uh, I recommend it, and it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, uh, I think the only thing I have to say is that I am currently in season – I finished season six of Doctor Who at my rewatch. Um, mm. And my latest observations is that, you know what, I, I – it seems to have really thrown my observation as, you know, Matt Smith as a doctor into like – a little bit of a spin because I, I really liked his doctor, but I really forget. Mm-hmm. And this happens on every rewatch. I forget how damn charming that man is. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at so far uh, with Dr. Who, and I should be starting season seven soon, which is fitting. Cause that's the last one with him. And then of course we got on to Peter Cabaldi. So, mm-hmm. That is where yeah. I am. I'm wondering, though, David, have you had the chance to catch up on Doctor Who? 
No. So you let, let me okay. Wait, we've got sixteen things here. You've told me we've got sixteen things that you've seen in the pandemic, but you're also saying that you haven't gotten the chance to see the the twelfth series of Doctor Who, at least the episodes that you had left to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I just I can't get into it. <laughs> Which is it's really sad, honestly. Like uh yeah i mean i'll get to it just someday. to keep in mind for people who are not aware uh david is a huge fan of doctor who loves it yeah, loves yeah. it you <laughs> I, know i binge watched it like a bunch of times and like when i actually get hbo max <laughs> chances are i'm gonna like rewatch the whole thing before i even finish 12 uh the 12th season <laughs> yeah it's not even on there yet no, not, no, 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 because I've been watching it on HBO Max, courtesy of Kyle, which, by the way, you also have mm-hmm. access to. Yeah, uh, I know. But. So, like, that's what I've been watching it, but I don't think the 12th uh, season is on there yet. No, oh, okay. Well, either way, I'm, I'm probably going to rewatch the whole series before I even <laughs> get to 12. So, talk about the shows that I've watched. Um, the first few, I'll mention, uh, Peter already mentioned mm. them in the past podcast, uh, but... Upload, Good Omens, and Hannibal. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, those ones he already mentioned them, and I, I agree they're really good shows. Um, although I do find Good Omens better than Upload, mm. but that's only because of David Tennant. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no. But I agree. The both uh, all these shows are amazing. Hannibal is it's freaking insane. But I love the investigations, and it's pretty in, insane. Just like how much they build up the relationship between the main character and and Hannibal. Um. Uh. Yeah. Good Omens. It's hilarious. So is Upload. And I, and what I like about Upload uh, is that perspective of. You know, living your life and all that, or being in the afterlife, basically. And yeah. And then the another show I saw, it's called Nun Warrior. It's came out a uh-huh. few weeks ago on Netflix. Uh, it's about basically these group of nuns, I guess, that fight off demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character is someone who holds the power of like an angel like a little she has she holds a literal halo on her back and has like special abilities and uh yeah it's pretty cool uh you know the main character she kind of gets thrown into this world and she kind of like she doesn't want to save the world but at the same time she knows that it's a big responsibility to hold and all that and i kind of like the progression between her wanting to live her life and but to also take responsibility of the halo uh one thing i'll mention though there's this one part where you meet this character and his acting was so weird (laughs) but yeah like you know he was supposed to kind of like show a bit of mystery within himself and he did that pretty well but this one weird thing is that his mouth was open all the time okay (laughs) it was weird so like he'll say like a line and then all of a sudden he'll like stare at the character at the character just kind of like at his mouth like oh like really wide open (laughs) 
for some weird reason. It was it was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like I I I honestly recommend like watching a video about it or, or finding a clip of it or something. And he always <laughs> does this. Yeah, like as as the as soon as you see him, like his mouth is open and like he'll talk. You have it closed for like a second, but then just go back to opening it up. <laughs> and it's, I wish I can explain just how he looks, but it's almost like just it's kind of like it's just like a dumb face, like uh, like trying to figure out the next line. Is there or any reason given for why he does that, or is it just a character trait? I think it's just a character trait. I don't okay. know. <laughs> it, yeah, it was weird. It was towards the end of the season that you meet this character, and uh, my one complaint. It really ended on a big cliffhanger. Uh, I kind of wish they would have done more. Is there but no I mean, more left in the show? It's... No. Wait a minute. Was that like, like a season finale or a series finale? Season oh, okay. finale. Yeah, yeah. But but I'm hoping for a second season and uh, see what happens next. Um, this show I saw a long time ago, but I decided to rewatch it. Um, the Boys. Uh, its second season's okay. coming out September. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but mm. um, I saw uh, I think a clip that was released <laughs> this week, um, maybe through Comic Con or for something that because uh, they had Comic Con at home, I think, or something. But they released mm. a, a a clip uh, of an upcoming episode for the boys, which is going to come back on Amazon. Wow. Um, what show is this? Because <laughs> I I have to admit I I'm terrified of whales. But yeah. what I saw was kind of disgusting, like to the point where I yeah. really was like turned off by it. Um mm-hmm. I mean, basically you see a whale fucking like torn to pieces. Um what is this show? So basically, imagine. So it's a world where there's superheroes, uh-huh. and just imagine if the Justice League were a bunch of assholes that just want to get away with get away with everything they do. Oh boy! Like, yeah, it like it, it's it's pretty messed up. Like some of the things like they could get away with and. Just kind of like they have this attitude of like I can do whatever the fuck yeah. I want. I mean, actually, that's a literal line. Actually, <laughs> of <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I just remembered it. It's uh, this one hero, um, Homelander. Uh-huh. He's basically the Superman of the group and the most powerful one. And at one point, he kind of like he goes up to someone who gives them uh, like a investigation to or stop to help them stop a crime or something. And he actually goes up to this character and goes. Do you know who I am? I'm Homelander. That means I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> like that's a literal line he says. And so yeah, and but um you follow this guy who just like he barely realizes just how messed up these heroes are. And he teams up with the boys, basically, and try to like expose every single hero of what of what they've done. Wow. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a really, really good show. Really? Honestly, I hear a lot of people talk <laughs> yeah, about it. I, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's. I guess it's messed up, like what they get away with. But it's. I don't. I, to me, at least, I didn't find it like depressing. No, no, anything, of course not. Like... It was just like, well, that's. 
that was that that was mm-hmm. something um yeah. yeah but the clip you saw though that's gonna be in the second yeah. season yeah yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> i know i know okay yeah uh, another show i'm re-watching is uh person of interest that one's uh about this guy he builds a machine that's basically like spying on mm-hmm. everyone emails phone calls and all that but it's able to um uh investigate uh like um attacks basically okay. criminals it was able to tell when a giant attack is going to happen or basically when someone is going to get hurt or murdered and this but the guy that made it though he made two lists relevant and irrelevant mm. The relevant ones, if like if there's going to be like a mass destructions, the irrelevant ones are just going to be some robbery or just a, a an assassination or something. Okay. Yeah, but the guy he he takes his time to actually like save the people in the in the irrelevant list and just keeps getting like bigger and bigger. They find out some corrupt cops like an organization of corrupt cops they stop that but then they also had to stop another secret organization that's basically trying to take over like the world basically and and it builds up to them fighting another machine basically that is able to hack into anyone okay. and so it's just like and so it just like leads and uh, um someone says it, it's like all right now we just gotta watch two gods face each other it's like that's basically how it kind of leads to it's it's pretty cool. You're watching this I on Netflix. I recommend it. Okay. Yeah. So I just looked at I looked up the series right now. Um that uh it, it was a CBS show from 2011 to 2016. Um mm-hmm. and that JJ Abrams was the producer on this. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. I what I really liked about about it is the friendship between the guy that built the machine and the guy he hired to like save the people uh because they're both like very secretive people but through as the show progresses though they open up to each other and uh it's really nice Mm. he is all right so um the main producer for this show is jonathan nolan who is the brother of christopher nolan Oh. So and who if you know we've been talking about him for a long time on this show, mm-hmm. trashing him basically for being a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Uh for wanting his movie to open <laughs> up. He got his wish. I don't think it's gonna work out the way he wants it. Um but yeah. uh, that's interesting. All right. Jonathan Nolan. Nepotism. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh okay, so the next show, uh I feel like I talked about it the last time I was on uh main remind me though it's been this. two months I, i'm not i'm not gonna know. yeah no Wait. but i mean i just i i i, I loved it this much but zoe's extraordinary playlist extraordinary. i think it, wait was it is it zoe oh god i gotta look zoe? it up <laughs> zoe i don't think i've ever heard of that zoe's extraordinary what yeah 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 okay yeah i was right zoe's extraordinary playlist it came out this year in the beginning of this year and it's about this woman she goes to uh, get an MRI scan, and by some weird thing, an earthquake happens, and all of a sudden, she's able to read people's thoughts, but it comes out as songs. Okay. Yeah, I know. The concept is Whoa, very weird, okay. but 
in, so in every episode there's always like a dance number you see some <laughs> pop music pop, uh, coming out and everything it's really funny but what i love though it wasn't really the music it was the characters themselves um the main character she she constantly has to like um confront whatever these people are feeling and kind of fix their problems because she just doesn't have a really have a choice if she ignores it the music just gets more and more intense that she'll just start hearing it everywhere even if like the person's thoughts that she was listening to wow. is not there yeah and and so like you just get some you just get different characters in every episode just trying to fix their problems one of them uh wants to come out to her church mm-hmm. group as a transgender another one she kind of like uh has to fix her marital problems her husband's like i guess neglectful of her ne- neglectful of her of her Ugh, that was a weird word uh but then she also has to deal with her dad who's like slowly dying just basically becoming a vegetable and slowly dying it sucks but again i i really recommend it i love i love the show <laughs> okay that that that's that's uh <laughs> That's not a premise I've heard before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, weird premise for sure. But honestly, like those music numbers, as fun as they are, as much as I like the music that they use sometimes, it really is the characters that made us stand out. Good. The show. Good. And then the last two shows are DC shows. I have mentioned this on like, I think on like on the Avatar episode of Stargirl. Mm. Uh it's CW on or CBS, DC oh. Universe. <laughs> That's yeah. still a thing. <laughs> or the, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. They because they, they announced recently that they're no longer offering annual memberships. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Um, no, yeah. Well, with Star Girl, it's on DC Universe, but it's also on the CW. Mm. And just recently, they announced uh, it's getting a second season, but it's only going to be on the CW. Which kind of worries me. I love the CW shows, mind you, but Stargirl, like, from the first episode, I was kind of like, wow, this is something great. Like, this this is going to be great. And it's the first season. It's only 13 episodes on its 11th. But uh, I really like the main character, Stargirl. The way they use, like, the way the, the... the way they show her fighting style in the show, so she has like this magical staff that has a mind of its own, and so they just const- and she constantly has to like do gymnastics around it, just kind of like fight other criminals. The way they show it, it's awesome. And then just the other characters are pretty cool too. That's know. really interesting that it went to the CW. Um, it's mm-hmm. do they really need another superhero show? Like I feel like HBO Max kind of needs more programming. Because I know that uh, mm-hmm. as far as and all uh, like didn't Doom Patrol, I think you're gonna talk about that show right now anyway. That uh, that it went from DC Universe to HBO Max, and then mm-hmm. Harley Quinn. Uh yeah, Harley. Well, the thing for Star Girl, it fits the demographic that CW. Uh, it's trying to it push seemed that way for... but what makes you worry that it won't fit there do you think that was it like more like mature than the other cw shows or what was different about it well it's not that it's not gonna fit in the cw or anything it's just that 
for one thing, the graphics in the in Stargirl, they're really, really good. And I know that as soon as they go into the CW and because they have like five other DC shows where they use like a lot of CGI, uh, it's the quality is going to go down on that. But then also they it's their their shows go on for 20 something episodes. And again, with Stargirl, it's only 13. So like the story's condensed and like the, sto- the story really progresses. And so with Stargirl, they add more episodes. Uh, it's just going to lead to, I feel like a lot more like kind of useless episodes, but also just kind of going back on the character. So like she'll learn one lesson, but then they just completely go back on it on the next and like you that see that seems a lot to be the, th- the, the, the trade off with the CW is that if you're um, if you're doing good or you're, you're popular, um, you'll be around for a while. But the trade off is you'll never leave. Like the thing about the CW mm-hmm. is, yeah, you're good. We'll keep you for 15 seasons. What? Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. not healthy for a television show of any kind. Mm-hmm. 15 seasons. I mean. The one thing that could help it is that Stargirls, she's not a big character in like the comic mm. books, you know, like she, uh, it's very small. So I feel like whatever villain they throw in or anything, like they can make a good story out of it, you know. So it's like with the Flash and Arrow, you know, they have they have like really big villains that well the flash specifically they have a he has a lot of villains but to make a big one in every single season they sort of like limit themselves and so you just it's just like again with the flash you know he does kind of go back on he like at one point he'll be like oh i was being a dick i'm sorry and like he'll learn a lesson but then on the next season he'll does he'll do the same thing again you're not the first one to bring that (laughs) up and i don't think people will be surprised I, i i think i did watch most of season three of the flash years ago um mm-hmm. and i liked it um but from what i hear people are kind of giving up on that show yeah not mm. giving up as in like it's awful but it's just like it's frustrating to watch at times because they do that um with what you just said with that character um mm-hmm. it's interesting uh what i find most interesting about this is what like you know, DC Universe is basically dead in the water. But we've known that for like a long time at this point. You are, you know, one of the only DC Universe subscribers ever, it seemed like. But to their <laughs> credit, they seem to have produced a lot of really good material that now others are going to benefit mm-hmm. off of. You know, it seems like yeah. Titans was the only show that wasn't overly loved. And even then, I think you did enjoy it. But, like, there were other stuff that they had, like Swamp Thing, which I guess now CW is going to get to air since they themselves, for whatever reason, mysteriously canceled it before they even aired all the episodes that they paid for. <laughs> then there's, like, yeah. Harley Quinn and uh, Doom Patrol, which are runaway hits that now HBO Max is going to be um, – basically benefiting from and then star girls now going to the cw it's just interesting that you know for the most part this streamer has put off put out some good material and now it's like well it was nice while it lasted 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Doom Patrol, it, it was amazing. I still need to watch the second season. I it's on HBO Max. It, but... And again, you have access to it if you want it. Like, it Kyle had the, the login. Uh, they're they're showing they're still showing the second season on, on the they DC still Universe are? app actually. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that they were gonna. <clears throat> okay, well that's better than I guess. I mean, it, and it makes sense for you guys, right? Since you have it, but like what mm-hmm. my impression was is that season two would be exclusively on HBO Max, <laughs> which that would have been bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> I think HBO Max people might get it earlier. I don't know. No. I don't know. It's weird, but I mean, either way, like I guess I can still watch it on DC Universe. Um, but yeah, but with Stargirl though, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I know for sure that the quality of the CGI is gonna go down. Uh, I'm just kind of worried where they're gonna take, um, take the characters through this whole thing. Yeah, you know? the CW <laughs> is prone to, uh, you know, showing too much of a good thing. That's just the problem with yeah. Them. And what was the other DC show? Uh, Harley Quinn, actually. Uh, yeah, its second season ended this year, and this was an awesome, awesome show. Oh my god, it's so hilarious. It's <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of messed up jokes, but still freaking from hilarious. I've seen, it is <laughs> but also very unique. The way they took from what yeah. I've seen. Yes, you're right about the jokes. They are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I love the best, though, is what they did with the Harley Quinn uh, character. They really, like, took their time to kind of, like, let her get over the her breakup with the Joker, but also try to make her become independent on her own and kind of deal with, like, what she's been through because of the Joker, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, they really took their time uh, uh, I I mean I guess I'll kind of spoil it, but there was an episode where they actually go into the mind of Harley like Quinn, Inside Out. Yeah, <laughs> basically, um, they what was she trying to do, or what was she? I mean, basically, she kind of wanted to prove to Poison Ivy, like, oh, uh, like I never, uh, I never had a choice in like becoming joker's girlfriend or becoming right, a criminal right. basically and then she finally sees the memory where she like goes down that acid uh-huh. thing where she makes her skin pale and she realizes no actually i i i did choose to jump i did choose to be with him like she it, joker didn't push her or anything she like she wanted to do it and she kind of like okay that was okay i guess that was my fault but she realizes though that she's always had a choice in everything that she's made uh-huh. she's done. And so then she decides, you know what? That day, that's not my origin story. This right now is gonna be my origin story. And that's like I don't know. My origin story now is when I left Joker. And so it's just like a great way to show that just because you messed up at one part, that doesn't mean you can't start over. Right, right. You know? It's a it was a great episode and like there's a bunch more stuff like that and throughout that series um again the second season ended i don't know if it's gonna get a third i really hope so those writers it, were amazing it, I, uh, i'd be surprised if it doesn't i haven't seen it but man i mean mm-hmm. i've i've heard a lot of fanfare about it. it like this this one's really kind of a crown jewel in, in many ways because it is not at all i think what 
it sounds like on paper when you think about an animated Harley Quinn show. Well, okay, you think like something in the vein of like the feel of a Batman the animated series. No, no, mm-hmm. it's not that. It's it's really <laughs> it's, it's really that. crass, and, that, and that's used in a bad way. But I don't mean it in a bad way here. Um, it's really um, mm-hmm. uh, mature. Uh, think like a mm-hmm. Archer. Uh, or a Rick and Morty, I think, kind of intensity to it. I think that's more, it, mm-hmm. it has more in common with the, the kind of vibe we get off of those shows than like a Batman yeah. the animated series, which is, I think, unique and interesting way of looking at, uh, you know, DC, you know, for for all of the troubles that they've had um, in terms of like the big screen, for all the troubles uh, that Warner Brothers has really fucked up a lot of the big screen uh, entries in the DC canon. What I've been really continuously impressed by is the persistence uh, and and really the strength, the deep bench of characters that the DC comics have that you can do so many different iterations of uh, of you know the characters, but in a new way. They're still finding new ways of doing mm-hmm. like the number of DC shows that are being produced right now um, that are coming that we know of are uh, honestly. This, and they take such big swings with it, especially in the TV side. Like DC's always had great television material. Like they've always have. Mm-hmm. And the kind of risks that they take in their shows are what I would hope, although I'm very doubtful of, that Marvel takes a page from and starts to do more of that stuff mm-hmm. with Disney+. Plus. And even like... They have a very late, like the thing about Marvel is that they're very much like uh, stringent on canon and like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whereas DC doesn't give a fuck and they just do whatever they want. I mean, we're going to have so many different versions of Batman. We have the Matt Reeves Batman. We have the the crime show that will be with the Robert Pattinson Batman. Then there's the Snyder mm-hmm. cut thing coming with a different Batman. Like they, they, that's how they're able to get away with like just doing different iterations. Like they, they, lo- they no longer give a fuck. And I think it's going to work out to their advantage. Whereas I think uh, it's really cutting off all of the interesting parts of what they could do with different iterations of the MCU. I don't, I, I mean, honestly, like it, it's, it seems like, Disney just does not appreciate and they will not let it uh, because of the brand, nor will Kevin Feige seemingly uh, approve it because it's not under his direction or it wouldn't be, or he has no time for it. But like, I think a Mm. Deadpool kills the Marvel cinematic universe. Disney plus special would be hilarious. I think that would (laughs) create a lot of conversation. The fact that they're not going to yeah. do Deadpool 3, it seems like, anytime soon at all is disappointing and disheartening um, because that was a variety mm-hmm. of Marvel that wasn't, you know, you know, so dependent on Feige and the MCU. And it, it's just so disappointing when I see, like, every DC show doing something fresh and new and interesting. And Marvel, you know, it, it's kind of like my relationship with Marvel right now and Marvel Studios Think back to that conversation that Thor had with Loki in Thor Ragnarok in the elevator um, right after they get out Mm -hmm. and uh, Loki tries to betray Thor again before he's off to get a ship to get off Sakaar and go back to uh, Asgard. And and at that point, like 
for the first time in the whole like series, Thor outsmarts Loki. And then Thor mm-hmm. says to Loki, you know, I, I would hope that we could like get through this, but you don't seem to want to change. And that's just kind of how I feel about like all of the MCU stuff. It's like, it can be fun. It most likely will be entertaining, but it just is more of the same. And there's no risks that um, are being held, at least from Kevin Feige, the creative. The only kind of risks and the only kind of interesting stuff that I do see is the people that he uh, uh, that he happens to hire on occasion that are are interesting. Like Sam Raimi doing a Doctor Strange movie is so out of left field, but that sounds so fucking great that of course that mm. that 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 is inspired. That truly is something that is more interesting than than it would have been. So mm-hmm. yeah, like. Yeah, I think uh, we're just beginning to see the the uh, I think the dawning of a new era, as Kyle would say, where DC is going to begin to really uh, take off. Not just with the shows, because the movies they got some pretty great movies that are in development that we got going on. Like from what I understand, mm-hmm. they want to keep Matt Reeves around for three Batman movies. That man <laughs> is an amazing director an amazing director and Mm -hmm. watch out especially since like james gunn doing a suicide squad movie that's so exciting that 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 just (laughs) sounds so fucking good you know so like yeah yeah um and marvel studios is doing i guess a blade movie or a disney plus show they really weren't they really weren't like at all specific about what that was going to be. And it was a great casting uh, with Mahershala Ali, but still it, it, it uh, there's a lot better things that they could do that they don't seem to want to reach for. It seems like uh, with a lot of the shows that are coming up, like I, I, WandaVision, I hope that it's like interesting and that it's like they, mm-hmm. they filmed it in front of a, a live studio audience from uh, what they said. So, yeah, that one I'm excited for just because it's going to, it looks right. insane, but like as insane as Duke Patrol. And so I'm kind of hoping they right, nail it right. with how the way Duke Patrol did it. But yeah, but I mean, just the biggest problem with the CW shows is like you said, you know, they, you know, oh, it's good, let's give it 15 seasons. <laughs> But it's like no, like get the writers to think of an ending, and yeah, go that's with kind it. of the thing they never really you want know? to end anything, and they they latch on to whatever they yeah. have. It's like it it is network television, and there are limitations on there, but they never want to let go of anything. Like I've even lost track of all the shows that they have mm-hmm. on there. I know that they have the Flash, and they just finished Arrow, but they're still, I guess, Supergirl. They're doing a Superman show, I think. Uh, Black Lightning, mm-hmm. Legends of Tomorrow, um, Batwoman. I forgot about that one. Batwoman. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff well, going on there. Um, what I'm hoping they learn from Stargirl, at least, is that they don't have to rely on the big characters. Mm. You know? So, like, I mean, I doubt it, but I'm kind of, I do hope that they're kind of thinking, you know what? Let's end 
some of our shows now and let's focus on uh creating new characters within this universe so like you know next season of supergirl or something they bring in i don't know i don't know a lot of dc <laughs> dc characters but you know they just try to bring in someone new that can lead into something bigger or we something. had a conversation a few weeks back with peter about uh sabrina being canceled at netflix and um on our chat we had an internal uh back and forth about whether or not um the cw would be a perfect fit for that show um what do you make of that do you think that that would be a fitting home uh yeah i think so um <clears throat> i didn't even finished the first season of Sabrina, but I kind of got a feeling that it is like that it is kind of like mm-hmm. Riverdale. And the thing though, Riverdale, it's it's not that mm-hmm. good, but it's a really great guilty pleasure oh, for me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like I, I'm I'm like caught up with Riverdale, and I don't know why. I just I love it so much, even though it's not that great. We all have those. <laughs> We all have those. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's kind of what Sabrina could be with the CW. Like, I know some people would probably be like, why put it in if it's going to be bad, you know? But, you know, some people just like that. So go for it. I'd imagine it'd be a hit with the CW, especially if you do crossovers yeah. with that in Riverdale. I mean, and they're mm-hmm. all about crossovers over there. So I just feel like if there is a... <laughs> opportunity and since of course the cw is looking for more programming that's why they're going to air swamp thing out of nowhere um hell they might even renew swamp thing if if it's a hit uh so you never know you never know where this takes Mm -hmm. you uh the opportunities that are going to be had there um but yeah uh so those are the shows that you watched uh what did you see movies oh yeah (laughs) we're only getting started Uh... here guys (laughs) I know. <laughs> just an yep. hour and a half. Yep. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so the first one, I'll just mention this briefly. Artemis Fowl. <laughs> oh <laughs> I mentioned it in Fantasy yeah. Fair. But yeah, it was it was fine. <laughs> uh, it was very much a... Uh, let's say it looked so weird. It looked this. so weird. Uh, tell me about... Uh, I don't mean to cut <laughs> you off here, but like... Yeah, they were, were going to set up 15 movies. That's never going to happen now. Um, yeah. What what is going on with Josh Gad and Judy Dench? What the hell were they in this movie? Because I just look <laughs> at like pictures of them and I'm like, what the fuck are they going for? Josh Gad, I thought he was pretty cool. In what the was movie. he? I think he might have been the best thing about the movie. Honestly, he was a narrator. <laughs> he was a narrator. Uh, yeah, he was narrating the movie, and he also had like a bit of a role in it, being like a what was he? A dwarf or something? Uh, I can't remember. But yeah, he had like a part in the movies. I I saw a few reviews and some of the comments. People were complaining about his voice being kind of like a like Batman in uh, Batman Begins. <laughs> you know, like or something like that. I it, it didn't really bother me much. <laughs> but I mean, it was it wasn't that deep or anything. But it didn't bother me at all about his voice or his acting again i thought he was the best thing about the movie uh and then some people were saying that the plot was kind of complicated i thought it was very straightforward it kind of takes a while to realize to realize what's happening but that's kind of what's intended because it's supposed to be a surprise as to how 
um, the main kid, Artemis Fowl, he's supposed to sort of like get away with in the situation or get what he wants in this situation. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be a surprise. But then once you kind of like, once they finally reveal it, you go, you go, oh, okay, this all makes sense now. So I don't know what people are talking about, but the plot being complicated. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Next thing. Uh, which one? Uh, I saw that. I think it's called Never Surrender documentary. You know that one that Screen Junkies made or something. They made a documentary. Yeah, it's about the um about creating that one movie, Galaxy Quest, with Tim Allen. Um, Alan oh, I've heard of it. So I didn't know they made a documentary about it. Yeah, they did. Uh, it, it was really cool. It was really cool. It's just kind of um, so. If you don't know, Galaxy Quest is about these basically like Star Trek actors, mm-hmm. basically, uh, being up in a situation where they actually go to space and with aliens and fight other aliens <laughs> and all that. And it's it's just supposed to uh, be a love for science right. fiction for fandom, you know. And that's kind of what the documentary is trying to show, trying to like tell you that that's what the movie is about, but also kind of shows you the struggle it had to go through to be made. Some studios find it ridiculous and everything, but when they talk about like the actual makings of it, they were very surprised that Alan Rickman, um, Adam, um, Tim Allen, <laughs> wanted to be in this movie, and they tried, and they put him like in in the main role basically, and but it, he. He was great in it. Uh, and then just like all the fun parts that they um, shot. It, it's a really, it's really cool. It was really cool. I recommend it. I mean, definitely watch Galaxy Quest first and then <laughs> documentary. Uh, both both films are good. Okay. Uh, I saw Extraction. Okay. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, uh, what's Chris his name? Hemsworth. Um, Chris Hemsworth, you know, he's cool. He's he's an action star, so he's great in it. I, lo- I did like some of the action. It was cool. You can see uh, just some of the problems though with some CGI. Mm. Mm, not that great, but it's fine. Uh, but either way, just some cool action, some cool scenes and all that. And that one is, uh, uh, my... according to Netflix, their most popular movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. Uh, next one is My Spy, the Bautista movie. Where where did yeah. this drop? This is dropped. I feel like it was last month. On which month? streamer? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. This was Prime. the Dave Bautista movie with a uh, little kid. How was this one? It was cool. Yeah, I mean Bautista. He's he was hilarious, and uh, there was some other actress. I can't remember her name. But you know they were both really funny, and then and the story was nice too. Uh, he's a spy who kind of like keeps to himself, but after training this, he, he gets caught by a little girl. His uh, operation uh, gets caught, but um, through teaching this little girl how to be a spy, he kind of like opens up more and everything. It was nice. Um. Oh, uh, what was it? oh yeah, here it is. Uh, the 
the old guard, the old guard on Netflix. This right, yeah. I, I read a little bit about this one. This was interesting about these immortals, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these immortals, they try to um, do some good out in the world and everything. But at some point, at one point, though, uh, one of them just kind of is like, you know, fuck the world. <laughs> it can burn for all I care. Uh, but, um, but at the time that, uh, that was Charlie's Theron's character. That was, mm. she said that. But in that, and that time they find out about a new immortal coming about and they get into a situation where someone finds out about them and they just kind of have to get out of their situation, survive it, or I guess just get out of it since they're immortal. And it's good. Uh, again, another great action movie. Shirley Theron is amazing. Um, and one thing I find kind of interesting about this is that so the Old Guard is a comic book mm. originally. It's a, this is an adaptation, but the guy who wrote the comic book was also the writer for the movie. And it's just actually that's actually just really rare, especially wow. for comic books to just have right, like the original right, writer yeah. adapted to the deal. movie. Uh, mm, I mean, the closest we got was uh, J.K. Rowling <laughs> writing for Fantastic Beasts, but that kind of became a mess. <laughs> but I saw, an- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> but but I saw an interview though with the writer of the movie and the comic, and he said that the studio really like gave him a lot of time to work on this, and you know they never. They really did think about okay, is this you know whenever he wrote something they'll they'll ask him uh, is this in the comics or is this a change and they just kind of want to know like every single detail as to why he made uh, certain changes from the comics to the movie you know like the the studios really took their time with him and then I thought I really found that really interesting and uh, I'm curious what others would think about it if like if it was a success or you know they just found it interesting. Do they hope more of it? So yeah. Um. Next one, King of Staten Island. King of Staten Island. That is with uh, what's his face? Um, what's the guy's name again? Uh, the comedian from SNL. Um. um yeah. I'm yeah. blanking out on his name. <laughs> You're uh, never... He. Uh, yeah, I forget the name. Uh, uh, it, I don't know. I get Pete Davidson. That's it. That's right, <laughs> Pete Davidson. Usually, this uh, movie dropped mm-hmm. recently on PVOD uh, through Universal. Yeah. So, what is what, what is this movie about? Uh, it's just uh, Pete Davidson's character. It's just kind of him going through a weird point of his life. You know, he he has he has depression, so like. And his dad died in a fire. He's a fire. His dad was a fireman, and he died in a fire. And he has depression. And so, like, it just kind of uh, shows how that sort of messed him up. But he tries to kind of get mm. out of it, almost like his depression, going trying to make himself better. And I mean, I'm probably fucking up the story, but it's just kind of. You know what? Let me start all over. <laughs> as, oh, that was a horrible explanation. I'll just read the, the description for the movie. Yeah. Scott has been a case of arrested development ever since his firefighter father died when he was seven. He's now reached his mid-twenties, having achieved little, 
chasing a dream of becoming a tattoo artist that seems far out of reach as his ambitions as his ambitious younger sister heads off to college scott is living with his exhausted er nurse mother and spends his days smoking weed hanging with the guys (laughs) oscar Iger and richie and secretly hooking up with his childhood friend Kelsey, but when his mother starts dating a loudmouth, loudmouth firefighter named Ray, it sets off a chain of events that will force Scott to grapple with his grief and take his first tentative steps towards moving forward in life. Okay, yeah, that's a better explanation. <laughs> but yeah, and it's really cool, just kind of like um, seeing his perspective on like how he has to deal mm-hmm. with all of it, but also just the way he's sort of like forced to uh, handle his situation and just move mm-hmm. forward. It was really interesting. And Pete Davidson, he was great. He was really, really? funny in this movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard, I heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty good. And then I think, Oh, <laughs> I started watching the fast and furious movies, mostly just five through eight. <laughs> Oh really? That's uh, random. Yeah. What, what, what spurred that on? Uh, I was listening to a podcast, and uh, these dudes were watching all all of the Fast and Furious movies, and I was just like, you know what? I gotta start watching. Uh, I gotta watch them. <laughs> I've been wanting to get into really? them for a while. Okay. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah. you liked Hobbs and Shaw, right? Yeah, yeah that's why I kind of wanted to get into it too. I saw that one and thought, why not watch them? And they're good. They're funny. They're they're fun. Cool action. Stupid, oh, but was... good. Stupid. You know. I would assume with the cars. And yeah, everything. good. This is one one of the most hilarious parts. Um, what's it? Vin Diesel's character. He's fighting the bad guy on this like parking garage, and they're on they're on the top. And this helicopter goes by and like shoots a missile, and like it misses them, but like the floor is cracking and everything. And Vin Diesel, like, he just says this, like, one-liner of, uh, you know, the thing about the streets, the streets always win. And, like, he stomps on the concrete, and, like, the whole thing collapses. (laughs) And I was like, bullshit. (laughs) Like, out of everything that happens in that movie, in that entire franchise, that's the one that kind of gets to me, like, laughing so much. And just goes, and I just go, that's unrealistic. That that was a bridge too far for you. yes oh my god i couldn't i couldn't stop laughing like as soon as i saw it it was hilarious honestly <laughs> uh yeah but i mean you know the F- furious franchise and you know we're getting apparently into it. <laughs> the next one's going to space apparently i saw the trailer for that one. oh my god that's <laughs> that's the second like craziest thing i saw did you no, see the wait, trailer wait wait did i no, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. No. Oh my god, you gotta watch it. I mean, I'll just tell you if I get. <laughs> but like, this is one part. Uh, uh, again, Vin Diesel's character—he's driving a car, but he's going like off a ledge of a mountain, mm-hmm. I guess. And the only thing, like at the end, is a bridge, but it's like rope and wood <laughs> and all that. But he like he starts driving and she like drives off the mountain shoots a grappling hook and actually like starts swinging the car to like go to the next mountain over and i go that's awesome 
I think that's why people. I think you just uncovered the billion dollar reason why people love these movies. It's just so hilariously like ridiculous and over the top. But that yeah. that 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 sounds amazing. <laughs> like you like i honestly think you should watch it it's just like i could again i couldn't stop laughing at that that's so ridiculous but it looked awesome wow. <laughs> i got last movie um vast of night the what have you heard of this no, vast of night this, this came out in fantastic and this came out in fantastic fest last year and it just now recently uh was on okay. amazon prime yeah and i I'll just say this. It's about two teenagers who hear a signal and try to investigate it. That's all I can uh, say because everything okay. else is... It's a very like a Twilight Zone episode, you know? But it's really interesting. The The two actors, you know, they get a lot, a lot of dialogue in the movie and it's just really impressive of them like watching them and especially like a lot of it's just kind of like one shot, not the whole movie, but like a lot of it is one shot. And so just seeing these teenagers trying to, oh, like, well, they're teenagers in the movie, but they're adults, obviously. But seeing them going through the dialogue, going back and forth as like as fast as they can, it's, it's really impressive to watch. And one thing that I, I, uh, I'm actually curious what you and like maybe even Peter or Kyle would think, but the, the director mm-hmm. of it, this is his very first movie. And um, I think they say he's done commercials and all that, but his very first movie, like he's never done a short before. And so, uh, and it's actually really impressive watching the movie and thinking that because he has like, a, he gets pretty creative with some of the shots mm. and everything. Like at one point you see one teenager, like they're listening to the uh, signal and then the camera just moves out of their house and into like the small town that they live in. But like you're seeing the entire town, and this, this the movie takes place like in the '60s, and this a very low budget movie. Like you you see, you get the '60s vibes of it, and so it's 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 weird. <laughs> it's it's also really cool. <laughs> I really recommend it. Okay, is that it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just get to this part now so we can get out of the way with um, Tenet is going to be coming out Labor Day. But only if your country has theaters that are open. Uh, there's a whole release schedule. You can look it up if you want to. I'm not really interested to see where it is. Uh, we're not going to get it anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I'm not convinced uh, if it's going to be doing uh, that. Anyway, I guess my ultimate question to you is what how do you feel about um these studios exploring a fragmented release schedule where we're going to start having these movies that should have opened months ago that are not going to now that are going to open in in the international markets that they are allowed to and then we just will get it whenever we get it how do you feel about that i mean i get why they're doing mm-hmm. it like that because they just they want some money <laughs> but i mean if if other countries they're able to open i i say why not i mean it really depends on like how they've managed their uh uh the right. spread you know so like if they're for sure safe 
I, I mean, of course, we fine. wouldn't know what that looks and like, just, right? Because we're in America and we're... Yeah, we, we wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. But I say, like, for now, just fucking don't make any plans anytime soon, at least for us here in the U.S., of trying to release it. Like, Yeah, it's, I wonder if they're really going to go through with it, because if that is the case, that it's going to... Someone's going to upload the movie online anyway. And so I, I, yeah, I, but I that mean, always happens. It's probably going to be in... But wouldn't it be in another language, though? Well, not everyone. Not not all countries that are foreign are like... Do not speak English. I mean, there's the UK. I know, but... I mean, you never know. You never know, know. but that that is true. But, um, but I mean, either way, though, like, I don't... <sighs> I'm not really rushing to watch any movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> really. It doesn't matter if it's Christopher Nolan or if it's the yeah. Black Widow movie or 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 you didn't even um the new new yeah. mutants. You know, like I'm not rushing to watch any new movie. If it's gonna be on Netflix, if it's gonna be on VOD, I'll watch them. But you know, if you if you're just trying to push something on in theaters, I it's it's probably gonna fail. Come on. <laughs> It's like a non-starter. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not a good look. And we've been talking about this, obviously, every week. But it's just, um, it, yeah, you the, the theaters want to make money. The studios want to make money. But it's just, I feel, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a businessman, but I, I think it'd be a lot uh, safer to just wait until things are good. I know. Mm-hmm. No one's in the luxury of doing that, and we've explained on this show why that is, because we have a dumbass Republican president who has made the situation worse, who has made it, who has made it so impossible that we're not going to have any kind of recovery until a Democrat is elected into the presidency, so that's delaying things first and foremost, but... I you know these movies these are smart investments Tenet and Black Widow they will make money and when things are even halfway back to normal people will go and people will see the movies mm-hmm. and it will be a success and I I'd, I'd argue it you would make more money than if you just dropped it on VOD at any point because uh, there's really yeah, no money probably. in that um, worth the expense mm-hmm. of, you know, what it takes to make those movies. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you you don't – even if you're able to release it, now isn't the time to release anything because there is no cure. There is no mm-hmm. vaccine or a treatment of any kind. And until there is – Theaters, even I'll even even if like let's say the economy uh, never locked down, let's say even if we were doing a good job and everybody wore a mask um, and the virus was like tempered to an extent, even then, even if things were that good, which believe me, they are not. They are nowhere near that good, and they won't be until a Democrat is in the White House. And why I say that is because we've established the GOP is a pro-coronavirus party, and they are pushing everybody out there to go die, because why the fuck not? And we've discussed that, and that's that's what is happening here. But the reality is this. Um, even if things are great, it, indoor activity of any kind is just not going to do any good. It's going to do a lot of bad. Even if you do so social distancing mm-hmm. in a theater, you're still sitting in a darkened room with recycled air conditioning. Anybody coughs, 
it's gonna be, it's gonna blow back in your face. Like the fact, this coronavirus whole like situation has kind of made, I feel, and this may be a good uh, aspect of it, a little bit more self conscious about the stuff that we put ourselves through on a normal basis. The fact that someone's cough may mm-hmm. just be blown back in our faces because of the air conditioning uh, realities of that space. The point is. Um, movie theaters are a luxury as are theme parks. And if the people who were managing our crisis were smart, they wouldn't allow that to happen. That those would be the very last thing. And it is unfortunate, um, that they are suffering. But again, if we had a smart government, then everybody would be covered. Then everybody would be good. Mm -hmm. You know what? You're going to have to close for a year, but guess what? We'll be there for you and we'll help you get back on your feet because it's not fair and it's the, the decent thing to do. And no one would be wiped out because of a pandemic. But instead, we have people who not only are idiots, but don't care and are doing everything they can to kill more people. By the way, as our weekly mm-hmm. coronavirus uh, death clock, I guess we're going to call it now. Um, last week, we were a little over 140,000 people dead. Uh, I checked this about an hour ago. Uh, the most recent count had 148,000 officially dead uh, for coronavirus. We're going to cross 150, um, I would say, in about a day or two. Uh, we are now at the point where we are losing 1,000 lives a day. Um, things are far worse than they ever have been. Unemployment is about to be reduced mm-hmm. significantly. Um, things are turning into a real shithole. And if that weren't bad enough, uh, schools are now going to be like, you know what? Let's reopen. Yeah, let's have school. Because the kids will get over it. You know, it, it'll be mm-hmm. fine. There's no, no real danger, right? To like going to school. I saw a post that said... It's like, oh, uh, there's six there's six feet of snow in this town. Okay, no school today, kids. It's like, but then there's a pandemic. There's a virus going around that can kill you and your, all your family. Go to school. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the logic we're at. And I, I do want to also, you know, in case that people um, don't understand or, or don't grasp what it is I'm talking about here, of course, I mean, you should already be aware that it's never a good idea to have a room full of people indoors, clearly, in a pandemic. That's just not a good option. But, uh, I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to take my word for it. I, there was a, this uh, this uh, doctor that they have on CNN, Dr. Gupta. Uh, actually, excuse me, it was MSNBC. This is not the Dr. Gupta from CNN. It's a different Dr. Gupta. But he said that it actually is far more safer to fly than to be in a uh, school classroom for coronavirus. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, why the fuck would you open them? Mm-hmm. Especially since a lot of these schools, uh, from what I've been reading are going so far out of their way to ignore any kind of, uh, or actually they, they, they've gone so far out of the way that they're actually encouraging people to like, you know what? You don't have to wear a mask. It's okay. We're not going to have temperature checks. We're not even going to do any social distancing. Yeah. 
So with that uh, being said, we're going to go ahead and talk about the movie that we saw. Because, you know, there are still movies that are, you know, being released. And uh, this uh, is no exception. And I'm quite happy to talk about this one. We, we, you know, David and I both recently saw this uh, movie you know, before coming on the air. Um, and yeah, literally just. <laughs> and this is one of the ones that was getting a lot of attention from Sundance Film Festival earlier in the year. Got a lot of uh, great reactions, so much so that Hulu paid twenty-two million dollars to buy the movie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so because um, they really needed something, apparently. Um, so mm. Palm Springs, which stars, um, Andy Samberg, you know, speaking of SNL, a uh, former SNL variety, now the Lonely Island, um, and also, uh, Kristen Malati or Mayalati, um, in this, what would you call this? This is a... Romantic comedy. Although there's a lot more of it to than what that description even sounds like. Um, mm -hmm. This is uh, the Groundhog Day situation. Time loop. It's a time loop time movie. Loop. <laughs> and um, yeah. I don't know if you were aware of that when you when I asked you to watch it. Um, were you? Okay. Yeah, I Because was. I had, uh, we had actually had this movie on, uh, to review for a couple of weeks now. And I think, I think we were going to review it last week, but I, I decided to hold off on that. Um, but then again, th this is just the weirdness of this is that, uh, kind of creepy in a little weird way, but like the. This particular time loop uh, movie comes out at the exact same time that you and I um, do hmm. a review for a time loop episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, the timing is just... <laughs> and then even more to the yeah. point, on this day, we just recorded the, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D., that S.H.I.E.L.D. episode uh, earlier today. And here we are, and we're talking about another time loop uh situation that we have here <laughs> so yeah. it evidently is the year for time loop movies um so uh, just a you know as we do with uh with letterbox um i'll read the description of the film if it wasn't already clear but here it is by our good sponsor letterbox right here uh <laughs> directed by max barbacow uh barbacow when Carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor, Sarah, have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue, themselves, or each other. That was pretty vague. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't give away the concept too much, although if you've seen the trailer, you know what this is. Um, I was hoping ever so so much that the movie uh was anywhere near as good as it ended up being 
And I am happy to report that I really, really, really like this movie. Um, I <laughs> probably, no, I will be watching this again. And I wonder how it hits me the second time. But I think this may be, and keep in mind, it's not, it's not a, uh, competition of you know great variety here because there hasn't been much of anything but it may be my favorite movie of this year so far um because mm. it i think it's a very well-made film by all accounts um i think it delivers in the comedy although it's not a uh complete laugh out loud comedy because there is some serious moments here um, mm -hmm. and there is great characterization here and there is great acting in here as well. Uh, writing hits really good in this. Um, I dare say though, um, this is like, I think it hits harder the fact that it's being released now. And that is, I don't recall, I think, a movie being so enhanced in the climate that it's released in. Because, mm -hmm. yes, this is a time loop in the living every day again and again and again. And, of course, we'll get into more detail as we go along through this review. But... um I don't know if, you, if you've noticed this, um, but uh, more so than at any other point, we are kind of really relating in a way to what is happening here in a very dark way. Like on the, just on the surface of it, the premise of this is having to basically repeat the same day over and over again. And um, I actually want to read here an excerpt from one of the reviews that I read uh, for the film. I wanted to see how people had responded to it, actually. And um, this is from The Verge. And uh, they had a really interesting um, uh, take on the movie in terms of like how it is really <laughs> scarily uh relevant to the times that we're in at the moment um and here is the headline for this uh palm springs is the perfect comedy for a world where nothing matters anymore <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I very rarely take out other people's words, but I do want to credit them. Uh, this is Joshua Rivera writing for The Verge, um, an amazing piece. And it kind of like, you know, encapsulates our thoughts. And I want to take this time to read from him. We're all tired. Every day mm -hmm. runs together. An endless tangle of hours and screens and occasional bursts of daylight to recharge. Old routines take on new wrinkles Meetings via webcam, masks to maintain and wear before outings, communal activities retrofitted to be done in isolation. Maybe we're not in a literal time loop, but it sure feels like one. A long, 
endless stretch of days were little changes and were burnt out all the time. Enter Palm Springs, a movie for 2020's burnt out state of mind. I mean, doesn't that just describe what our lives have become? <laughs> I mean, I think I just realized why I like this movie now. <laughs> it's so good. It, it hits harder. I, I really do think it hits harder yeah. because of well, this is perfect, perfect timing for a movie to come out, especially with this kind of premise and especially with what, you know, it leaves you... Um, he leaves you feeling here. Uh, at first blush, Palm Springs is another take on the Groundhog Day. Niles, Andy Samberg, is a dude with a terrible misfortune of having to relive an acquaintance's wedding day over and over again. But what makes Palm Springs stand out is how little it's concerned with its own premise. Of course, the time loop is all-encompassing and ever-present, but it's also a fact of life. At the start... Niles has been living in it for longer than he can remember. The only reason we learn about how it works is because something weird happens. Sarah, the sister of the bride, gets trapped in it too. And that's the movie. That's the movie. Mm -hmm. Is to yeah, seeing these people <laughs> um, live in this fact. Like it, I think what is, you know, one of the strengths of this movie, clearly, as it was just mentioned in that review... Is that it, it? It's not so concerned with you know the fact that it is a time loop like genre. I guess it's more concerned with okay, what does it mean for our characters? What does it mean for who they are now that they're in this? And I think that's, um, mm -hmm. I think any genre of storytelling is improved when you have characters. Hey, war dramas, you might want to. Pay attention to that whenever you make another movie and not calling you out there, but I am calling you out there. It matters when you have people you give a shit about on the screen. And they do a really good job mm -hmm. of uh, giving you to care. I mean, making you care about them. And um, I mean, mm -hmm. first and foremost, I mean, the performances. Something, I mean, Andy Samberg um, and uh, Kristen... This, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Is it Melody or... Miliotti, uh, Kristen and Andy, um, I think make each other's performances better. They're good. They're really good. But then mm -hmm. like, they really are like, they really gel well together on, on screen. Like it pops. And it's one of those like circumstances yeah. where like their performance makes the others better because of it. And you buy into the dynamic that they are. And it's like, I, I, I mean, I, I got the sense early on. Um, and keep in mind, of course, there may be some spoilers here. I don't want to give it away too much. Yes. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I think we just, I mean, I agree with everything we've been saying so far. Yeah, this is a really good movie. Uh, Andy, Andy Samberg and uh, Kristen, they both kill it in the performances and the comedy and the relationship, but also just like in those hard moments where they kind of have to like accept the fact that they're mm -hmm. in a time loop possibly forever. And uh, the story itself, it, it, it's really, really good. Uh, also, J.K. Simmons is in it. I mean, he's like, it's a very small role, but like even he kills it too. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's 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 hilarious it's it's well written very well very well written 
uh, we highly recommend. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, we can go of course. It is a, it's interesting. I mean, of course, it is inherent in kind of the genre that it is. It is a time loop, but it also is like, if we're not going to be as specific as that, it is a comedy, but it also is uh, sweet. It has heart. Mm -hmm. There's, um, I think some comedies, like let's say Eurovision, for example, which we reviewed a few weeks back, um, have this reputation for not like, taking things seriously and being like way too wacky to be taken as um realistic in some sense or maybe not even that's not even the, the fair way of saying it but like it may lack a little bit of the heart of it like, which is to say that there's a version of this movie that's already been made and, and nowhere near as good where it's like the characters are like not even characters and they're barely likable and we're just going through the motions and then things like there's a version of this movie that ended could have ended up being just very mundane and uninteresting. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been, I think, movies like that. Well, the thing that I think what this movie did best is that with every other movie that we've seen, it just goes in line with, you know, you see their day and then they realize they're reliving it and then they go, uh, am I living, reliving the same day? I think I'm reliving the same day. Hey, I'm reliving no the same day. And it's just like, that's it. That's the pattern every yes, single yes. movie. But with Palm Springs, though, you skip yes. all of that. <laughs> I mean, uh, and you do have the, you know, when they realize they can do whatever they want now, you know, you get that, like the fun montage of them mm -hmm. doing whatever they want and like you get that in palm springs but i uh the best thing about this one though is that you have someone that's already been through this time loop for a long time now finally having fun after who knows how long yeah the whole burden of having to set up this premise is just completely gotten rid of we don't we don't need that mm -hmm. and instead um they actually do tease it. It, it when the movie starts off it takes a little bit of time uh for uh the whole mention of a time loop to even be dropped it, it, it there's a good mm -hmm. a bit that happens before we get to that moment I, but there are clues uh, a little giveaways I mean, there's there's something noticeably a little off about Andy Samberg and how he acts that kind of mm -hmm. gives you a clue as to the, okay I think this guy's already like been going through this for a while and I think it, it's even more confirmed yeah. in one of my favorite scenes um, at the wedding when everyone's dancing after he gives that speech which was like you think it's going to be a disaster and then it was like whoa that was like one of the best toasts at a wedding I've ever heard and this guy's like a fucking stranger <laughs> He yeah. does a good, good job. And then, of course, he 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 leans very much. What kind of like gave it away a little bit is how how much his gaze is directly at Sarah. And Sarah has like no mm -hmm. idea who the fuck this person is. And then later on. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Well, well, what gave it away for me is just that, you know, you can tell that he doesn't care about anything right, going right. on. But he but he does everything else in mm -hmm. confidence. And he doesn't screw it up. And so that's basically what the speech was. It's like, he's the only one in this wedding that's just dressed in beach and uh, swims, <laughs> swim shorts and yeah. a Hawaiian shirt. Like, he doesn't care, but he gives that speech. And like, like you said, it's perfect speech. And he does it with such confidence. And like, yeah, you see that, uh, that he's eyeing uh, Kristen's character. And he just kind of go, okay. The, and I could tell right away, like, oh, okay, he's going to like 
mess with her now in this time loop. <laughs> or this, I also, uh, what day. I inferred <laughs> from that is that um, you got the sense immediately that he already knows her. So like later on mm-hmm. when there is a revelation um, that spoilers, by the way, there is a revelation or should have already been clear, but just in case it is a great movie. Go watch it. Um, later on in the movie, it is revealed uh, to her that he already knew her uh, from previous loops mm-hmm. or whatever you, you want to say. Um, and so I think I, I, I picked up on, it didn't surprise me too much because I picked up on that immediately because he kept drawing his attention to her and it wasn't just for whatever reason. You felt that there was a purpose to it or something. Um, but one of my favorite sequences after the the whole speech and everything is when everyone's dancing and man, that was really like, you could see Andy Samberg slapping his ass off inside when he like, you know, uh, tries to get her attention by basically, um, inexplicably going through the motions of all of the different couples or people that are dancing and kind of mimicking them. And in some cases, anticipating mm-hmm. when they would fall. And so he pulls up a chair that way the person doesn't fall flat on their face because he's already lived it. So it, it mm-hmm. there's a, a certain kind of swagger to him that um, you wouldn't have unless you knew what was about to happen. So you kind of yeah. get that sense almost immediately. And, you know, to Andy Sandberg's credit, like he really comes across as like down to earth and just kind of like cool about it. Like he, you, maybe he wasn't like the kind of person where like nothing matters before the loop happened. You get the sense that that's just who mm-hmm. he has become because of how the loop has kind of, you know, affected him in that reality. But he's just like, just a guy. He's just cool with whatever this is and you you do get a sense i think mm-hmm. he's just maybe not happy um but comfortable with the situation that he's in because of what he's uh been able to uh do basically and the fact that there's no way out of it or at least so it seems um but yeah like this this i think had a really good balance overall with with the humor and then also with the moments cuz you know a lot of comedies that go for um, having every moment be laugh out loud, a lot of those movies just end up falling flat because the jokes fall flat. So I'm glad that it mm-hmm. was never by design that this movie needed to survive on their jokes. And so they're spaced out. And when there are jokes, they almost always land, if not completely land. So mm-hmm. that's that immediately, I think, is uh, something going in this movie's favor. But then we also have wonderful... We, we do kind of... Because the benefit of having characters instead of just like actors embody their own personalities is there's characterization, there is development. We get to explore the psyche of these people, and I think what I think what kind of um, connects the two of them is that they're naturally um, they both have they're complicated people, shall we say? They're not mm-hmm. they're not <laughs> caricatures. They're not straight up like one note and. Um, you know, and they take it in different ways. Uh, Sarah, uh, Kristen's character, has a journey in this uh, that she decides to, you know, kind of have an arc because of this time loop. I want to, I want to go back real quick, if I may, um, for um, both Sandberg and for uh, Melody from this review of The Verge that I was reading. And one that I find increasingly depressing. Uh, This is an an amazing article, but this is what uh, they write here. At this point, millennials are either comfortably in or approaching their 30s. There is a thought. Kill me. Uh, Mm -hmm. An age they're socialized to believe 
brings stability. Oh, if only. That stability continues to elude us, thanks to a slow-motion, institutional breakdown and overnight disasters that extend into ongoing nightmares like the coronavirus pandemic. The sum of it all is overwhelming, beating down like the desert sun in the California resort town Palm Springs is named after. Which is... Yeah, that's also a thing that happens, is that, you know, we we are close, if not to our mid-20s, 30s are in some far away, kill me. Uh, and a lot of the mm. things that were promised to us that would be in our lives are not going to be in our lives. Oh, that's right, because the world's kind of going to shit. And that's not even as if it was in a good place already. So, um, okay. All right. And part of the conversations that are had, and I think all of the conversations had in this movie are actually really profound. It's And when Andy is like, why would you want to go back? Well, I mean, because mm. I mean, there are, I think, I think good arguments on either side uh, for yeah. wanting to get out of this loop or staying in this loop. If you stay in this loop, you live forever. Mm. You don't age. You don't go back to any of the bullshits that exist in our society mm-hmm. but uh, but then also like they could have died <laughs> if, if they went through uh whatever the plan was because you know she says the goat disappears but i mean that could just mean that it's dead it's literally yeah. disappeared from existence yeah. or something i don't know <laughs> and so yeah but no they uh they make constant arguments of like I guess what's it like to be alive, yeah. basically. <laughs> what does and, life mean you know, when every day is the yeah, same? Yeah, and you can either go with it of nothing really matters or everything matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a it's a cool way to look at. It. Again, this is why I really like um, that we're going straight into like we're past the whole cliches. Uh, figuring out all the plot what's going on to even uh even passing the whole like let's have some fun in this loop and the in the time loops and all that and so you just got in so it's just cool seeing andy sandberg's character just basically having like a existential crisis and every single time loop basically <laughs> and yeah it's it, it's just a cool it's a cool way to use that concept to look at uh, what they're trying to tell. Yeah. And, and to add on what you're saying here, again, I want to borrow from uh, The Verge here, a wonderful, wonderful review of the movie. But look, the more I'm, I'm looking at this, the more uh, this is really going to help this conversation. Look, going back to what this was saying. In a world like this, not caring comes easy. Um, the time loop world. Uh, there's little to look forward to and not much to be gained by looking back. And Niles and Sarah really don't want to look back. They've each got secrets they'd rather spend eternity ignoring. Niles and Sarah start to fall for each other because in each other they can hide from who they were before time stopped. But eventually their relationship makes it very hard for them to exist because when you start to love someone else, you have to think about the person you're going to be. And that's a question they'd rather not find an answer to. What elevates Palm Springs from 
clever dark comedy to poignant story is in the clarity of its moral vision, the belief that it's worth that it's worth it to hold on to some kind of decency, even if literally nothing in the world matters. Palm Springs was conceived and filmed in a pre-pandemic world, but the allure of nihilism was already strong in an existence where many of the pretenses of equity or civic duty had been dispensed. The pull to withdraw and go numb was already strong. Now it's overwhelming. The cost of sticking your neck out of sticking your neck out is high, and the rewards are slim. What point is there in pushing forward and finding the way to break a cycle bigger than us? Or, more importantly, examining the ways we've helped hasten the rot. Over and over, Niles tells Sarah, there's little that he hasn't done. Carrying the weight of it all doesn't get any easier when the world resets. He remembers, and that can be its own punishment, especially as he forgets, or claims to forget, anything about his life before the loop began. It's that part, the part before it all this, before all this, that seems to haunt Niles the most. And while Palm Springs is a fun rom-com, it's a story haunted by the idea that we'd secretly be tempted by a world where nothing really matters, to absolve ourselves of responsibility. Of course, there's no guarantee that things will get will be better if we face what we're hiding from, but it almost certainly be a hell of a lot easier to live with ourselves no matter how tired we are. Well, that got deep. <laughs> I, oh gosh. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that, that is the whole um, point of growth, right? Is through the process of time, mm. you, you change. You do uh, grow into different people. And that part of the problem that is uh, stuck in the time loop is you can't really grow. And while the review said right there that it does haunt uh, Niles to an extent that he can't remember what it was he did before this even happened, I think it also haunts um, Sarah to the point where it spurs her into action to fight for something, to fight for mm -hmm. herself and who she wants to be by escaping this loop and um, becoming a better person of it when she goes and uh basically learns physics um which i mean i'm sure uh can come in handy uh yeah yeah again all of the, all of these themes i mean the review is right they these are ideas that we would be tempted by if we weren't in a pandemic and i think are even more tempted by because of the pandemic and maybe we're kind of getting what we may have been tempted by because of the pandemic. And that is every day being the same. Only, of course, we must remain in our homes. Those of us who care about our lives and our family members and, you know, stay inside to make an effort, unlike so many others who are so willingly ready to die uh, or kill others or no matter who along the way. No shade, right? Thrown in anybody's direction. Hmm. Um. Yeah, your thoughts on all that? I mean, I kind of just said it. It 
It is a crazy temptation to think about, but also <laughs> I think it's just crazy for the movie itself to kind of like hit the nail <laughs> of this whole situation. Like even like one of the first lines that you hear, what is it? It's like, it was Andy Sandberg. He was in the pool and like, he gives a beer to that one guy and he says like, uh, what is it? Like days, days, are, the days are always the same yeah. or something like that. Or and it was like that was like as soon as I heard that I went oh yeah that's us right now yeah <laughs> and so I, I didn't really think much of it um when he when he talks about and ah, life doesn't matter and blah 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 I didn't really think much of it like kind of uh like kind of our situation but yeah it is it is a ugly temptation but it's also just kind of cool to think about a ways of fighting through it or at least getting well getting through it but also fighting mm. through it like andy's is trying to get through it just kind of every single day day by day and all that so and sorry. the movie was also hysterical. Let's not be like you know, say it was like all, you know, all mm -hmm. these things, but it also was funny. I mean, all of the antics that they pulled. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just uh, by by the happenstance of their reality is uh, how many times they died. Um, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. they they uh, they died in a car accident. Uh, or several car accidents, actually. Um, one was uh, in a plane crash. Um, they start to mm. venture out <laughs> and uh, do other stuff that they can do uh, instead of just having to the same same old wedding. Um, there are some gags that do work. It's like, well, this wasn't funny, but it was gross when the sister broke her fucking teeth. That oh, oh my god, god yeah. <laughs> now my favorite comedy bits are the little hints they give they give you as to like what happened to Andy's character mm. during the loop. So like uh, when he's trying to hit on a uh, Christian's character, I he kind of like tells her like, "Oh, you want to see something crazy?" And he like takes her to the uh -huh. window by the bathroom, and you see his girlfriend uh, right. with someone else, and. Uh, and he kind of he gives like this line of like oh yeah that no I can never stop that in any timeline or like <laughs> or he says something like uh, no I don't think there's no universe where that can I can stop that and so it kind of gives you a hint of like oh he's tried to <laughs> um, stop that thing from happening but it always leads this the same way and then well there was another one uh. Oh. Well, it was towards the end of it, and he uh, talks to that guy that like has like the RPG and just a bunch of guns, and he's shooting like a picture of his uh, ex-wife's new husband uh -huh. or something. <laughs> he goes up to him, and he's like, "You met a woman thirty <laughs> years ago <laughs> at this bathroom. I'm your son." <laughs> and it's just like, "Oh my god! Like, how long? Like, how did you get this guy to like tell you that? You know, Damn, it's, it's insane!" and it's just like these little hints of like telling you like this is what he went through during the time loop. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and I like those comedic. Oh, another one was the uh, when he was at the bar again towards the end. He was at the bar and he flips off mm -hmm. the bartender, 
but like before that he says uh like yes tim with the tow truck or something like that and he flips him off and when the bartender throws him out he has the car his car keys and it's like oh okay he knew how to how to right right get the key to go to back to the mountain i mean just crazy <laughs> sequences of that are just hilarious i mean when when uh when niles and sarah just walk into that bar you're talking about but they just what what were they doing like was that was that called break dancing or what the fuck were they doing like just randomly out of nowhere <laughs> they just wanted to create like right. a flashback type of thing, but it was just the two of them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like the, the humor hits hardier too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like other. Oh, um, the gag where um, uh, Andy Samberg, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Niles is talking about um, talking to Sarah about exploring his sexuality, um, and all the people mm-hmm. he like. The one that got me was when like. He he tried to convince her that he had sex with her father. Um, that was, <laughs> and then of course no. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, he he claims that was just like a joke or whatever. But like, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, I like that one joke though. He's, uh, it was like after uh, Kristen's character's first time loop, or like yeah, after her first loop, and, and she's trying to look for the mm-hmm. portal or something. And he goes, and like he points the way, and she just goes like, "Who are you? Like, well, how did you put me in this situation?" And he goes, "I am the Antichrist." Snapped his fingers, and like earthquake happens. But he's just like, "Nah, I'm just kidding." That always happens yeah. at this time. So, <laughs> no man, there are some pretty great fucking moments that are just so great. I mean, yeah. in that way. Um, oh, oh, oh my god! Uh, but that another one where they. They put a bomb in the in, in the wedding cake, and like they spring into action, and they, they kind of like fuck with them. I mean that that has to be like a really like fun part. It's just like fucking with people, um, and they they fucking yeah. like she comes out in like a with an eye patch and a hook, and like oh you ruined my plan or whatever. But I think the the one that came out of nowhere um, was before the time loop stuff happens, um, and. And um, fucking uh, Niles is like impaled, uh, by a fucking arrow that Roy threw, <laughs> uh, played by J.K. Simmons. Yeah. That one was like quick. It got it got in him and like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but I also love like yeah. It's so a you get an explanation as to like why how J.K. Simmons yeah. got into the <laughs> yeah. time loop itself. But I love that line though. If he's like. No, yeah, just every couple of weeks he'll just like come out randomly and try to kill me because <laughs> he is what I've done to him. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just found that funny. They're like, just whenever he wants, eh, I'm gonna go kill him now. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the J.K. Simmons character is another, I think, dimension to this, uh, you know, the exploration of the effect that this loop has on the characters because, you know, clearly the arc that he, he, he happens to have uh, off screen almost. I mean, of course, uh, being fucking hit by a car can make you re-examine things clearly but um you know he starts off the loop uh wanting to kill niles and then uh the last time we see him he's going to come full circle where he's kind of accepted this and happy like he legitimately is happy with the situation uh where he never has to Mm -hmm. see his family age you know 
Um, mm-hmm. No, yeah. And uh, interesting. What? Okay. So a couple other things here. Well, the director was teasing uh, about the fact that it wasn't just J.K. Simmons and uh, Niles and Sarah. That there, there may be other people that we saw on screen that are also time looping. There was this really interesting moment in the movie with the old lady uh, that uh, is played by June Squibb. Uh, earlier, early in the movie, she walks up to uh, Niles and to Sarah, and she says to Niles, "That was a." Uh, that was the best uh, wedding speech I've ever heard or something. And then at the end of the movie, that same woman comes up to uh, Sarah the night that she's going to basically um, blow up the portal or whatever. And um, she says to her, uh, that was the best maid of honor speech I ever heard. And I guess you'll be leaving us now. Good luck or something. Mm-hmm. Did you not catch that? Like It was a little weird. Like what? I, yeah, I caught that, and I was kind of like, "Is she?" Because that was uh, too. Like, how does she know the plan? Specific. Yeah, it is a very specific moment in the movie, especially because that's the only time mm-hmm. we see her too, right? The old lady, and so I don't know. I I would like to rewatch the movie again just to see if like there's anyone else that possibly knows right. of the loop or like been through the loop. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but uh, is, have, you, have you heard like that? There's no, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the director, might be other people. The director was just reading an interview. Uh, the director was like, he teased that other people definitely would be uh, in the loop. That it wasn't just them. So, because uh, the only like little fact that I that I read was that Niles was in the loop for at least forty years. <sighs> wow. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like i mean like knowing that and kind of uh seeing especially that scene where he's like i don't remember like my life before the loop or something like that it is kind of like oh my god <laughs> i can't even imagine that it's insane <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and then of course uh other stuff so dinosaurs My uh-huh. theory is that the portal where it's at, just time kind of collapses okay. in that area. And so every once in a while, the dinosaurs will come out. Or maybe every, every once in a while, something else will come out. Some other creature um, 100,000 years ago or some plant. <laughs> That's just my theory. I mean, because, mm-hmm. uh, again, the director said that they were real, that they weren't like... Something they were hallucinating. Hallucination. Because they see it in the end, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like one of the, the last shots. You see them uh, roaming off in the distance. Um, mm-hmm. So, what do you think happens at the end? Do you, like, is it like, I thought it was pretty clear, or that may be my interpretation, I'm not sure. It seemed as if it worked. They escaped the loop and now they're going to continue living on. Or could that be yeah. another dimension? Could it be the multiverse? Does it even matter? Uh, I don't think it matters just as long as we know they're in the 
they're on June 10th instead of right, right. June 9th. Well, actually, November. November. And it's November. Was it? The movie takes. It, I know. Right? I'm just like <laughs> it takes place November. Well, you see that uh, yeah. uh, Niles gets switched out with a like a reset, rebooted version of him in the loop when uh, mm-hmm. when J.K. Simmons tries and and talks to him. Yeah, that's one weird part because I would have guessed that it might have been the person like before he got mm-hmm. out of the loop, you know. But no, it just it seems like as if she lived it regularly, like the, on the first day, I guess. And I'm actually really glad they put that little yeah. after credit scene because I was literally I had to like skip through it, going like, "Oh my god, no, you can't leave him behind, can you?" But then they yeah. finally explained it. <laughs> Thank God. But yeah, uh, I mean, if I had to guess, maybe another dimension. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'll just take it as it worked, and they and they figured it out. I mean, and the moment was, of course, yeah. when they two, when those two finally come together, and he realizes that he wants to live again with her, through her, basically. And of course, the mm-hmm. moment of love, as they say, with uh, the explosion happening and them embracing, and the, that that was the culmination of that, um, of that mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, no, uh, 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 on that ending, I really like that line of, it's like, what if we're, what if we annoy each other, annoy each other, uh-huh. something like that, and Andy goes, I think we're already yeah. annoyed of each other, and, and it's funny, like, it's just because it's like, yeah, you were living with the same person for, like, who knows how long, of course you're going to be yeah. annoyed of each other already, but you want to go through that still, <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was a nice line. But holy fuck, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, anywho, this is a great time to see this movie. Um, and it'll get you asking these questions about um, whether your, um, your life uh, has purpose or everything uh, is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Take whatever you will from it. But we recommend this movie, Hulu. Uh, great, great, great time. Um, this may be, I think, the movie of the year because it, I think it encapsulates the year more than, better than any movie I think we're going to see this year. Just for that <laughs> purpose. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. We'll see. But uh, I think uh, we're going to bring this to a close now unless you have anything else to say, David. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We have more content for you here under our big red spotlight uh, with episodes of Avatar and uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Fantasy Fair. And I do want to go ahead and take this time to announce that coming in late August, Red Spotlight will continue the Avatar series into the Legend of Korra. Yes, Peter and Kyle have gotten away uh, already. well into Korra, and I will wait for it when it comes to Netflix, I'm sure. But uh, we're going to go ahead. <laughs> it's funny because Peter bought the damn show, and then, of course, it dropped on Netflix the next day. That's hilarious. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, Legend of Korra, we'll be talking about uh, 
the show uh, in a similar format than we, that we did with the Avatar series, of course, returning with uh, both Alexis Moreno and David Francisco and then Kyle and Peter and myself. So that is uh, one of the upcoming shows that I can confirm right now. We're excited for it. Um, I really don't know the uh, mood of this because there may be different opinions. It's just I'm, I'm looking at the reactions that I'm seeing and that may be interesting so keep your ears out for that uh, but until next time thank you David for being here thank you all for listening and we'll see you bye bye bye